This is The Antidote with Dave Hawkins, where Christian music doesn't suck. from Voices at Midnight, one of our featured artists for tonight. Welcome to an extra-long version of The Antidote. 
I wanted to cover the music and conversation of these two excellent female-fronted hard rock bands in a single episode of The Antidote. But you know, with so much great music and conversation, there was no way to squeeze it all into our typical 60-minute format. So tonight, we're going to run a little bit longer than the norm. First, Joan Hodge comes to share the dream of creating great music with Voices at Midnight. Then, at about the 30-minute mark, Cassie and Ryan of Syndrome of Fire will bring their crazy sense of humor and superb music. Well, sit back, relax, and enjoy. The up-and-coming hard rock band Voices at Midnight is fronted by Joan Hodge, and she's here with The Antidote. Great to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Very happy to be here with you today. Voices at Midnight is out of Surfside Beach, South Carolina. Does this mean that the whole band is living the dream? You know, you guys are playing gigs at night and spending your days on the beach? You would think that. Um, <laughs> however, we, we are living what we call the locals' dream. We are doing doing our rocker stuff at night, but we are lovely workers by day. So it's more like the Cinderella thing where you work, 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 and then have the fairy godmother, so to speak, come and say, here's a gig, and go to the show all nice and dressed up instead of wearing UPS uniforms and or scrubs or <laughs> whatever else we're donning for the day. That seems to be a dramatic difference from you singing in a hard rock band. Yes, it actually is. Um, and it's rather funny because I was classically trained from my parents who were also musicians. So I grew up singing opera and country <laughs> and jazz. And now I'm screaming it out. So it's it's quite the fun difference to be calm, sweet, social therapist by day and then rocker by night. <laughs> And I read somewhere that you used to play in a military band. I did. I have played with the 282nd. I played with the 29th Division 116th. And then I was stationed with 246 in South Carolina. I was playing the French horn primarily. I also played trumpet. And then I sang for the rock bands there. French horn. Isn't that the one that nobody wants to play? That's the one that everyone thinks they don't want to play until they have the magic brass in their hands and discover what a wonderful world and how awesome it is. Anytime you hear cool stuff in Star Wars, that's a horn part. <laughs> I love this mysterious band name, Voices at Midnight. You got to tell me the story. Yeah, we were first called Soul's Ascension, and we discovered that uh announcers were having problems saying souls ascension they're like what what kind of really cool name can we grab and get attention with and randy ellswick one of our guitar players um was thinking about it and you know what how do you feel about voices at midnight and we're like yeah where'd you come up with that and he said you know how when you're little and you're sleeping in your bed and you think you've heard something in the middle of the night and you don't want to move because you know as soon as you step out on the floor, that monster is going to grab you or they're going to come out from the closet. So you scream in the middle of the night, Daddy, come save me. And the parent comes running in and takes care of it. Well, that's how our Lord works. And if we have an issue, we can call on him and get help because he's there. So he hears our voice because we're his children. So Voices of Midnight, and then BAM for short. I love that analogy. Okay, well, give us the background on the band itself. How did Voices at Midnight come together? 
voices came together um, under the direction of uh, Chuck Benton, one of our other guitar players. He had a couple of other people with him, and then uh, he and uh, Chris Porter, the bass player, had gotten together. And I came along via a Craigslist ad. I had come from Seattle, Washington side and was headed either to Nashville or Myrtle Beach, chose Myrtle Beach and went in. And it was very funny because when I came in for the audition, they're looking at me and they're thinking, she's too sweet and nice. There's no way (laughs) she's going to pull this off. And then I started singing. They went, we're sorry, Lord. (laughs) This is it. And then eventually uh, we ended up with Randy Ellswick and Audie Nelson, our drummer, and just uh, went from uh, a set as Soul's Ascension to Voices at Midnight currently. Bam, for short.
love your sound of the band, because it's like you guys have stepped out of the 80s. You know, especially during the opening guitar riff on Solar Skies. What's the appeal with recording that style of rock? Well, there are several different aspects, really. Um, things that we draw on from personal experiences. But the thing that we we focus on is what's going to represent how we all feel. And that's kind of where we're coming from because we have several different eclectic backgrounds. And so, you know, you could spend paper, rock, scissors all day trying to go, let's do this way, let's do this <laughs> way. And, and what ends up happening is just a beautiful culmination of what we've all grown up with. And that's how it gets formed. Um, sometimes we have some really powerful, chunky stuff and we automatically are like, hmm, that may be a good breakdown. But the original parts of the riffs that come in at first uh, do sound a little fun from the rock in the 80s and stuff. And that's just, you know, we're, we're 80s kids <laughs> for, for the most part. And um, you always have that sound wanting to go forward. And I think what's very cool about that is it may sound older, but it still has a new eclectic vibe to it. A little almost esoteric in a way where, you know, it's understood by few, but really appreciated. I hear what you're saying about this, but I don't hear any country or any opera in what you're doing. No, and you won't. <laughs> Not necessarily. I mean, I gotta love, I grew up on Patsy Cline and, and singing crazy. I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. <laughs> but you're not going to hear that for, for voices. I'm glad about that. I'm sorry. Just not no, a country a fan. To each his own. And that is why I have discovered that I too am not always a country fan. I think I would be rather miserable if I got told I could only sing one genre for the rest of my life. So I'm very happy that rock has come to the forefront. We were talking here a little bit about just songs and what comes into it from the band. Obviously, the lyrics and music are the basis of any song. But do you think that one takes more importance for the band? Actually, they have a beautiful semblance together. Um, they're very symbiotic. Um, when we're going through and listening to the music, um, the guys are so pumped up by the time we get to practice because they've they've thought about this new riff that they want to share. And I'm listening and letting this permeate my soul to the very core of my being and then all of a sudden I have this image of where we want to go with it and you know Chuck is really great about writing some of the lyrics as well so you would think that as normal some bands really either focus on the music and or the lyrics and then the other follows but really it's a beautiful tango between the two this is Joan Hodge with Voices at Midnight and you've got the antidote
I love your single Ashes from Forever Alive, the EP. What mm-hmm. was it about the song that made you want to choose it to be the single? The fact that it says, sickle of death, where is your sting? No, as in K-N-O-W. If I'm six foot under, I'll never die. I'm forever alive. We live in a world where there is hope being attacked on the forefronts. We have everything trying to come up against us. And so while people are fearing death, we want to put out there that death truly is not to be feared, nor is life. And we just wanted to refocus the positive to both aspects. But why that one in particular versus the other songs on the EP? That one is mainly the heart of what what VAM is. Um, We know that there's something more to our existence. We know that there's something more to how we live daily on a daily basis. We're not just waking up, brushing our teeth, getting our clothes on and and going out to to be a slave to the world. And that's why we chose it forever alive. And mainly wanting to let our future fans know and, and the current ones that There is nothing greater than knowing the outcome has already been laid at the end. And it's a promise. And Vam likes that promise. So that's why, out of everything, it was chosen. This might come across as being sexist, Joan, but I really don't want it to be. You're (laughs) a rarity. I mean, female-fronted rock bands and Christian music aren't unknown, but there aren't a lot around. Like, should that change? Well... Um, I kind of like being a rarity in, in a way. Um, I rather enjoy the look when people assume that I'm here to see the band. And I'm like, no, I'm actually the singer <laughs> for, <laughs> for the band. So like, I, I don't need to pay a ticket because I'm, I'm actually the, the front man. <laughs> um, I think overall that um, people get accompanied in it. A different kind of element with association. It's not so much that they're stereotyping. It's just that there's an opening. For example, while country is not your favorite, um, I, I can draw on it for um, this analogy. And that, you know, had starting out with a male cycle and then there's female cycle and then there's a male cycle and so i think for christian rock music we've just been in a cycle where there's like a lot of good males and it's not that females are afraid to step up to the plate or that we don't want to it's just that it's a cycle of things and so now we're kind of coming into our own so to speak and um i don't think that we should just flood the industry with a bunch of females just for the sake of having females at the forefront, I think we should flood the industry with talent and heart and passion. And it doesn't matter if it's female-fronted or male-fronted. I want people to not just have this thing like, oh, okay, Voices of Midnight. But they're like, no, Voices of Midnight. Something that's funny, I find with some women vocalists, you're speaking to them and they've got a strong voice. You've got an extremely strong singing voice. Mm Mm-hmm. But they get on the stage and all of a sudden they turn into this, you know, wispy waif of a voice, which almost <laughs> seems to be so contrived. It's almost like you think that it's a preset. I, I'm the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> 
throughout the day, I have this southern genteel moment, unless a tourist has cut me off, and then for which I am praying for heavenly hosts to come down and protect us from getting hit. <laughs> but um, yeah, when I'm when I'm on stage, it's a completely different factor because I grew up um, with musicians, and one of the biggest things that my parents taught me was to, as they say back home, open up and let her fly. And the other thing that I have tried to um, harness and focus in on is not being vocally constipated. I want people to know what I'm saying. I'm there for a reason. I have no reason to be meek and timid. It's not a coffee house. This is a rock show. So I need to get the point across, make sure that they heard it.
it's time for dreams and for reality. What does Voices at Midnight want to achieve as a band? Our biggest goal is to keep on moving forward with reaching out to new fans. Um, we have a powerful message. It's not one of our own. It's one that we've been blessed to have the task of reaching out with. And the reality is, is that we're not looking at this to make a quick buck. We're looking at this at an eternity aspect. You know, linear existence aside, you know, we go from point A to point B to point C. Our, our goal is to make that journey all the more worthwhile to know that at the end of the day, when we leave this place, that we did what we were supposed to do. We made the difference that we were supposed to make. We told who we were supposed to tell the good news and in such a way that it moved them to tell someone else. Okay, we haven't covered the most important thing, Joan. How do you get the music of Voices at Midnight? That, Dave, is an excellent question. You can <laughs> find us on Pandora. You can go on to iTunes. We are on Spotify. We are on Google Play and Amazon as well. And um, if you're trying to make a decision and you're not sure which one you want to do, we also have a YouTube channel as well. And then you can reach us on ReverbNation.com forward slash Voices at Midnight, where we can have links set up and also find us on Twitter and Facebook. Well, Joan, this has been really cool. Thanks for meeting with The Antidote, and best of luck for Voices at Midnight. Thank you, Dave. We just appreciate sincerely the opportunity to be with you today, and we look forward to listening to The Antidote again and again and telling our fans to do the same. Thanks, Joan. Thank you. I still can't believe that the mild voice of Joan Hodge can translate into her raw vocals for Voices at Midnight, but you know, she does it perfectly. Well, I hope you're ready for our switch into the music of Syndrome of Fire and our fun talk with band members Cassie and Ryan. Syndrome of Fire's Cassie and Ryan are here with The Antidote. Great to meet you guys. It's really, really good to meet you. Yeah, thanks man for giving us a shout. We're going to start off by getting really personal here. <laughs> oh, great. Cassie, it's been said that redheads are hot-tempered and impetuous. <laughs> Does that describe you? Okay, see, I have a theory about this. See, that I'm Scottish, not Irish. And I really think it's different about where your red hair gene comes from. Just my personal opinion. I think the Irish are a little bit more, I'm going to yell at you in the face for like an hour. <laughs> like, I would say definitely I'm unique as a redhead. Um, and I would say I'm more just, I'm definitely fiery. I'm definitely passionate in the sense that I'm very intense and my emotions are very intense, but I don't yell at people. I actually hate to yell at people. So I don't lash out. I don't really like to fight, but I'm definitely intense. and I definitely feel things very intensely. And I mean, I'd say syndrome of fire, the name fire. I am very fiery. So I would agree with that aspect, but I think it's a little confused by some people. Okay, Ryan, you've got to tell me, is Cassie being honest? <laughs> well, I was about to interrupt. I was just like saying, maybe you should cut that whole first thing out so she doesn't start the whole thing with a lie. You know? <laughs> with a lie. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I mean, honestly, like, I mean, I've seen a lot of redheads that, you know, are crazy. But she tends <laughs> to be like one of the most bubbly, just kind of genuine, you know, honest and caring, you know, people I've ever met in my life. So uh, she's kind of an anomaly, I guess you would call it. So 
Oh, it's, no. it's kind of hard because when she ever she describes redhead, she's always trying to describe the way that she is. So if you listen back to what she said, she's pretty well defending the fact that she has red hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ryan, I'm not going to leave you out of this either. Another one for you. <laughs> How do you take it not being the most attractive member of Syndrome of Fire? Well, I, I'm the biggest member of Syndrome of Fire, so it works out pretty well. Uh, like, <laughs> what kind of question is that? <laughs> so... Just, just since you mentioned that, I, I'll just tell you, I am the business guy in our band. And um, when Sunny and I were part of a different band before that we had started, and we kind of wanted to change our genre because we we're kind of a Southern rock, and so we wanted to go more of like hard rock type stuff. And we had uh, met Cassie a while before that. We were talking, man, she can really sing, and she looks really good. She's like really pretty. <laughs> and honestly, the, those, those two things, because she could sing well, and I thought she'd look good on in front of a poster, is the main two reasons why she's part of the band. <laughs> oh, whoa. That's why they asked me. <laughs> but then we all became best friends, and it's <laughs> awesome. And that's why you can put up with comments like that. <laughs> yes, it's because I know him. Yeah, but we the, we but, tease each other all the time. But they're both compliments. They're not just comments. Yes. I mean, I'm basically yes. saying that she's pretty, and she's a good singer all at the same time. <laughs> so she can't, like, get too mad. I got an interesting Cassie fact that we don't tell a lot of people. <laughs> I so, know where he's going. With where, it. where am I going with this? I think I know. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> so like I want to have a shirt made. I sleep with my pastor, but like I'm married to a pastor. So <laughs> oh, that's priceless. So, but here's the thing. I know it would offend Christian circles, but do you know how many people would come up with questions? And I could tell them, actually, I went on my nine-year anniversary of married to my husband. It's been amazing. You know, how my life turned around and how, you know, awesome that's been. And, you know, I mean, they would not expect that answer. But it'd be like, yeah, I sleep with him. You know, sometimes I think I would have made his life so much easier if I could have just been a cookie cutter pastor's wife. If I could have even just just done put out worship albums. Um, but, you know, what? I am I don't make things easy for him sometimes. But I am the most amazing man, and I couldn't do what I do if it wasn't for him and the support he's given me. And uh, he's, a, he's a man that understands what God's called me to do, and uh, he knows my heart, and he sees the fruit. It's, it's a good thing.
points you guys could almost come across as being symphonic metal. Your sound's really sort of unique, at least in the North American market, because you've got that odd blend, I mean, really of mixing the rock metal and classical. You know, it's like you've tossed it all into a blender. That might yeah. be a little more common in Europe, but you don't find that much here. Right. That is a good point, true. Well, and, and in Europe, a lot of it is the symphonic side. I mean, uh, you know, we've done stuff with Epic, and even with Evanescence, we've done stuff with them in the past. And uh, but a lot of their music, you know, it was really focused on the string side. And uh, for us, I mean, basically, Senny is our Van Halen in our band. And uh, and <laughs> it's what we call him. And I can say whatever I want about him because he's not here. So, uh, but <laughs> but he he is really kind of our, you know, he is that virtuoso that just kind of shines through. And and it's been really kind of hard, you know, over the course of time trying to figure out stuff like our newer stuff versus our older stuff on our last EP. A lot of that was a little bit more guitar driven because we were still trying to figure out how to make things heavy and include as much actual piano as possible. And uh, I, I think we finally found the recipe on this last song that we just released. And uh, most of the album is going to have a lot more of that type of feel to it. You were talking about the songwriting. Where's the emphasis put with Syndrome of Fire? Is it the message, the lyrics, the music, or the entertainment? Like, I, I would say it's kind of all equal. But the, but the one thing that I would say that there's an emphasis behind everything that we do, we give our music to God. We, we give our concerts to God. We give, you know, what we're doing. I mean, that's, that's why we do this. It's just we don't care if it makes sense to other people or not. It's, you know, that they're telling us, Oh, you should do this business wise. Cause this makes sense. Or, you know, this would be better on this. You know, our, our main goal is, is what we feel that God has asked us to do. And, uh, for me, I guess the biggest thing, which is just kind of the spirit and the purpose behind what we're trying to get out. Well, you mentioned about the business part of it. That's always the struggle with a band. 
because you're trying to balance off what people are going to want to purchase, what people are going to want to hear versus the artistic side. Do you ever yes. find that to be a struggle? We definitely have our story of uh, <laughs> we've been with a label, we've worked with lots of different people, so we've definitely had um, different directions given to us. Yeah. I, I guess just kind of business-wise and stuff, the biggest thing with any business is figure out what works for them and truly who they're trying to really be as a business and who they're trying to, you know, the type of crowds that they're trying to reach. For us, it's, you know, we've known that. And sometimes in the past, we have listened to other people saying that, oh, you should do this and this. I'll tell you, there's nothing worse than being up on stage and playing music that does not resonate with you. That is your music. Um, <laughs> and it's just because it's like, oh, now we're pop rock, you know, and it's just like, oh, this doesn't feel right at all, you know. So the, the biggest thing that we've kind of learned is just to be true to ourselves. And if if people like that, then great. And if they don't, you know, this is what we believe in and this is the product that we have that God has given us. So, And obviously, I mean, if you need to listen to professionals in the industry. And I mean, if everyone is telling you that sucks, <laughs> then you probably need to, <laughs> you know what I mean, rethink it. There, there's a practical side for sure. And uh, so, but I think when we have enough people who are the professionals saying, yes, this this is good, you know, then, yeah, you're always going to have someone else who wants to kind of put you in a cookie cutter <laughs> and what they think works. But I think a lot of people will run after that formula nowadays. And we do need something more genuine, more sincere, something that is just very honest and real. And if it's a little different than the formula, I think people will like it because you can kind of get bored with the formula. The singer-songwriter Doc Holliday here in Nashville, he actually collaborated with us in writing Not a Slave. And uh, one of my favorite quotes by him is he says, you have to write for hearts, not charts. That's just it. It's just what are people going through? What can they relate to? What What is their heart feeling? What is my heart feeling? And that's what I'm going to share. And I'm hopefully I can share it in an artistic way that is so interesting that hasn't been done that it moves people. Hey everyone, this is Cassie with Syndrome of Fire. You're listening to The Antidote with Dave Hawkins. Around, try 
Back to your music. This was funny because after we arranged this interview, I went on a hunt for some of Syndrome of Fire's older material. Oh my god! I, oh no! I had no luck at all finding your first EP, Static, and yep. I only found a couple oh, of songs from the 2011 EP, "I'm Alive." Did you just make all that old music disappear? <laughs> oh, he's pulling out the skeletons in our club. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, they're not. It's not even bad. It's it's just no, it's, it's bad. What we don't like is the quality of the recording. <laughs> it's just, it's just poor. It was our first project. And as we look back, the quality, it was not good enough in our minds to sell <laughs> or to just put out there. It certainly doesn't represent us and who we are right now. We lived in Iowa at the time, and there's <laughs> only so many options that you have there. It's not like it's, you know, a music mecca or anything. So it was just more of, we didn't know what we're doing, and somebody's like, oh, you can do it for this amount of money. And it's like, well, that seems more expensive than our, all our friends are doing it for, but hey, it'll probably be better than all our friends. And it was, but it just compared to other standards, it just was not great. You know, we were really happy with it when it first came out, and then a lot of it, we just became better songwriters. However, there is one song off that album. Yeah, that, but it's still a fan favorite. Yeah, and it's, you know, and it's it, we actually closed most of our sets with that song. It's The finale. It's, yeah. Which song is that? It's the letter. Yeah, it's it's really special to us because actually, was that our first song we wrote together? Like, yeah, we we wrote it because a friend of ours that was um, addicted to alcohol and just meth uh, drugs. She was dealing drugs. She thought it'd be great. She's like, maybe I'll die tomorrow. You know, I mean, totally had no value for her life. And when you're watching someone do this, you're thinking, you just you don't know what to do. You want to shake them. It doesn't matter what you say to them. And they just won't believe you. And they're just trying to kill themselves, you know. And um, basically, we wrote this song all about her. And she's looking down in the sand. And she's kind of writing in the sand. But above her, God is writing in the sky. And he's writing a love letter telling her everything she was created to be. And so it's kind of just this experience and this encounter where she kind of has this revelation um, of her creator and actually that her life is valuable. The lyrics go on and, and, it, and it just tells the story of, of how she overcomes that and finds her life. And so now today she's happy. She's totally sober. She's off drugs. And it's just really neat to have seen that change. I think, yeah, people just need to know that you're going to stick in there, that you're there no matter what. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a favorite of ours. It, it's turned into like a whole entire basically movement. It's a multi-part kind of like a, it, it's almost a rhapsody, like for a classical term, where you have all these different parts that kind of show up during the 
the song and at the end it's just this everything all coming together culmination yeah yeah just for this big huge part of it's like an outro but it that doesn't really give it justice (laughs) and i mean and honestly too like that's probably one of our best songs live and part of it is just because we've rewritten it about 80 times now so we'll change it up for the fans now and then be like, okay, this year of touring, I think we need, what are we going to do with the letter? And it's like, they'll look forward to hearing it differently. <laughs> so, and it's about 11 minutes long right now. So it started out as like four minutes and something. So we've obviously added a lot. I think to we it. need to add a more 11 more minutes. We just need to take, yeah, it needs to be like half of our set. It needs yeah. to be the letter. <laughs> That's very metal. <laughs> yeah, it's, I know. But kudos to you for uh, researching that. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, we have um, long talked about re-recording the letter and then putting it as like the end of our next full-length album. So to be honest, we will probably do that. (laughs) Cinder of Fire may have tried to make their old music disappear, but I was able to find the original version of the letter. Enjoy.
He had a really cool single from Save Me From Myself, Run. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love Run, actually. Uh, that started with Ryan, really, because, well, that was like a tour. I don't know. We're in the van. We're on our way down to Nashville Report. I don't know if you ever know, like, okay, so you look at one of your band members and you kind of know they're in the zone. So he's up in the front passenger side. He's got the acoustic guitar. I can tell, like, something's going on. And basically, what did you say? You were like, we got to stop. We got to stop at McDonald's. Just stop somewhere. I got to show you. I, like, I got this whole song. It just totally, like, dropped into my heart right now. Like, so we go to McDonald's and... I think I was eating an avocado and you guys were eating ice cream cones. <laughs> That's pretty typical of us. But anyways, um, he just kind of saw this depravity of mankind, just just total depravity of human nature. Um, and so the word just kind of started to flow very poetically to describe this. And um, it was just really neat when he showed it to us because he was just totally in that element. And I love it. I love it when I see like him and Sonny where like things just just come to them so quickly, you know, because it's a total moment of inspiration. And uh, but that's that is where run started. And um, it was interesting with writing that song, because it's very graphic. Um, you know, and I kind of compare it to this, you, you ever see the passion of the Christ? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but um, with this song, um, what we were trying to portray is, is really human nature without God. But kind of you're you're running to him. You're running to find a, a hope. You're trying to run to, to get away from yourself because you know you're that disgusting without without you know that. And there's a lot of references to blood, but finding finding literally some some salvation in a sense. Really, to be honest, that whole song is the salvation message in a very abstract form. <laughs> So it was interesting that we started off with that single, I guess is what I'm saying. I I don't like to just spell things out. I feel like art is supposed to be a metaphor. It's supposed to cause you to think, to understand it, to appreciate it. Um, so that's why I personally really en- enjoyed the lyrics and some of the stuff that Ryan came up with. Most of our music isn't written for a Christian fan base or Christian audience. And that song, it was written to be able to bring up questions and there's nothing better for somebody to actually, you know, question, what is this with my life? There must be something more, you know, is, is there more, you know, and, and, and it's led to a lot of explanation, like, what is this song about, you know, and actually be able to share, you know, because when somebody asks you the question, you can actually give them the answer where they'll actually listen to it, you know. So this song was, uh, I'll just be honest with you, it wasn't received well on the Christian music side, but it was never written with an intent for them. It was really written with intent for, you know, the unbeliever to provide them with something that would pose the question of, is there something more? All right. Okay, I think I'm ready. This is Ryan from Syndrome of Fire from the U.S. of A. And we are talking on Antidote Radio with Dave Hodkins. Wait, Hodkins? Hotkins? Is it Hotchinson's? It's Hotkins, right, Cassie? Hotkins. Hotkins? Yeah. Well, no, Hawkins. That's right. With Dave Hawkins. <laughs> Dang it!
Cassie, you were mentioning about the lyrical content from Run, looking at it from a more cryptic viewpoint, or at least to have people questioning. But I guess really with your new single, Not a Slave, you're carrying on with that same idea. Yeah. You know, where it's both straightforward and fairly involved at the same time. Yeah. Honestly, if you were to pull out that scripture, to live is Christ and to die is gain, and... Sonny brought up that scripture, and we were like, well, let's write a song about it. That's kind of where it started, but really it is about um, dying to yourself. Filthy habits, you know, just a cycle of life where you're, you're doing the same thing over and over, and you feel like you're a slave to unhealthy pain management, and you're like, this is hurting the people I love. It's hurting myself. Realizing you you, you got to kill it. Like, I'm not saying kill yourself, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you got to gotta kill it. And it's not a fun process. But literally, it's not fun also being a slave. Really, that's describing addiction. Um, so, but the Bible talks about, like, you have to be crucified with Christ in order to experience a life of resurrection. So I've always been fascinated. My favorite scripture is um, Philippians 3.10. It says, I want to know him and experience his resurrection to know him and his sufferings that's awesome that's really living and so really the the song is just about killing that side of you so you're not a slave to all your problems anymore and experiencing new life well some of the lyrics that read the nightmares of my yesterdays they still burn inside me letting go is my escape falling through forever but how personal is that for you It's totally personal, like, as someone who life is to follow Christ, who who I would say I'm a Christian. 
because like there's there's always the things that you yourself that hasn't until I get to heaven I'm not going to experience full perfection you know and it's like this every day of trying to live a day of repentance and change and letting God change you in healing in relationship with him um and that's just walking that out and so yeah I would say it's very real it's interesting because you can get past what you were doing, but it's funny how our memories work. We can still remember. And sometimes, uh, you know, like our nightmares, we can still bring things up, even though that may have been your old self, but yet you can still remember, you know. I wish I could show you a before picture and then an after picture of me, and not so much because of the physical appearance or anything like that, but just more of, I was so broken and it is amazing the healing and just how I literally live a life of freedom and none of that matters. Like I am, I'm happy and that doesn't mean because nothing bad happens, but who I am is different. I have identity. I have a purpose to my life. Did you know that the, the screams in not a slave was like a last minute addition. We weren't even planning that. I am so glad you did. Oh, I know. That intro like, is perfect. And it went so funny because, um, so he's with Noah. They're working on the song and just, you know, looking if there's any last edits. And basically he's like, hey, Cass, like I, I did some ideas with Screamo. Let me know what you think. And I listened to it. He starts off in that beginning and I'm like, I love this. It just got my, my adrenaline going, you know? So I was like, yeah, okay, we're going to definitely keep that. But it's kind of funny, though, last-minute stuff that you didn't even plan when you're writing the song, how that's a big defining characteristic of the song, I think. So I love it. Ryan's awesome.
beloved, not a slave from Syndrome of Fire. As always, thanks for meeting with The Antidote each week as we share Christian music that doesn't suck. You can keep up to date with what's happening on The Antidote through Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, and on our new YouTube channel. Well, a lot of excellent music has released since the start of the new year, and we're going to share some new tracks next week on The Antidote. We'll also meet with Aaron and Garrett of Stay Outside, who bring a pair of tracks from their upcoming debut release, OK For Now. Let's head back to Ryan and Cassie of Cinema Fire, who cover something we all have in our lives, sins. See you next week. Okay, if you were going to sum up Cinema Fire, what's the most important thing about the music? I mean, I, I, we, we tried summing that actually into a statement one time, and I can't remember where we put it. <laughs> but kind of the general gist is, you know, to provide hope for the hopeless to be able to provide a way for those who haven't found it. Love and to those who don't feel it. Because I guess we just want to be whatever God wants us to be. You know, we don't have to define ourselves by this or this or this. Kind of like I think Cassie mentioned this earlier in the interview, but like we play at a bar a night and somebody comes up to us afterwards and they're like, I, I've been suicidal. And after a couple of you guys' songs, you know, it really spoke to me. And after this, I don't want to anymore. I, I want to know what you guys have, you know, and then going through those, you know, the explanation of that and to see in somebody's eternal destiny, you know, instantly changed. But the whole thing is we don't have to be the first to the end, you know, kind of the end all, of, you know, we just want to be in that moment, whatever God has for us that night, whether it's, you know, somebody doesn't kill themselves, somebody goes home and decides to throw their drugs away that night. Maybe somebody goes home and tells their spouse that they love them or, you know, or they just go home and they're just, they feel happy for the first <laughs> time in a long time. We, we don't have to give them the full entire answer because there's God will position other people in their lives. And so our thing is whatever God wants us to be that night is just what we want to be. Syndrome of Fire has Not a Slave as a single. Does that mean you're working on a new album? Yes. So um, we've actually been uh, on the project for most of this year. We've been writing a lot of it. Um, it's going to be called A New Beginning. It was originally what we planned on releasing a few years ago, but then we just did the EP instead. And uh, we've been really working on writing and recording, and hopefully we'll release it in the first quarter of 2016. Ryan and Cassie of Syndrome Fire have been here with The Antidote. Guys, thanks a lot for coming on. I appreciate the conversation. Thank you for having us, Dave. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, I've, I've had a great time, too.
hope it never ends. And all my mind.